You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. The Travel Tales with Fergal podcast is a weekly interview series that hopes to fuel listeners' wanderlust while we all wait for post-pandemic travel. We may not be able to travel right now, but this podcast aims to share soul-lifting travel memoirs about daydream-worthy destinations. What's magic about Apres? The Apres ski, the atmosphere, the, you know, the, the, the town, all part of it. A hundred percent it is. They'll talk about uh, the season. Yeah. And, you know, so you don't need to get technical. <laughs> no, no, I won't. That's the last thing I'm going to do. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. And so <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> so, so what I, basically, you know, as you know, like skiing. The social. Not only. Of yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you're, you're very welcome to the podcast. Before we get into talking about um, your favorite topic, which is. Après ski, <laughs> I wanted to thank you. <laughs> you were on for the American special, and um, I never actually brought up this topic that it was your idea to. I've, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but it was actually, I don't think I named you, but you were the person that said I should do the podcast. So before we talk about Après ski, I just want to say thanks a million. <laughs> well, well, Fergal, I got to say, it's, uh, it's, it's something that was bl- glaringly obvious to me where your strengths lie. So I'm glad you took me up on my my bit of suggestion and, and you've taken it and run, ran with it. And it's very, very entertaining and very, the guests you have and everyone that I've uh, let that's listened to it has really enjoyed it. And, and it's a credit to you. And I know it's a lot of work and, and fair play to you. So if you don't mind now, I'm going to do a quick quiz on all the previous guests I had just to see if you actually really have listened. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah, I've got notes here. <laughs> Hit me. Yep. Hello, and you're very welcome to season two. You just heard me tell my regular contributor, Sean O'Neill, that he will be sharing tales on what he euphemistically calls the social aspects of skiing. Apres ski is often as important as the slopes, and Sean shares fun apres memories at the end of this episode. Before that, we have eight fantastic guests, ranging from ski enthusiasts to two experts in Irish journalist Catherine Murphy, who gives a great overview of the best skiing in Europe, and the legendary ski instructor Warren Smith in Verbi. We cover a lot of ground. We go to Europe, Japan, Canada, and the US. I have some great guests lined up for season two, including rugby legend Paul Wallace next Tuesday. And I'd like you to please spread the word by sharing or recommending this podcast to friends if you enjoy it. Now to give you a flavour of the upcoming guests from season two, listen now to economist David McWilliams, expat Annie Kennedy in Switzerland, and Canadian Randy Lewis from Randy's Restaurant in West Clare. I had one simple question. Where is your favourite ski resort? Everyone, their favourite oh, ski resort. Davos is an amazing place to ski. Uh, there's a little town beside Davos called Wiesen, uh, where because Davos was too expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And there is an amazing mountain called the, the uh, oh, what's it called? Wiesen. Anyway, so yes, we have the family have skied in Davos, right? And it is unbelievably expensive. We did it two years, and I said after, fuck this, we can't afford this, right? <laughs> but uh, there is an extraordinary. Uh, 
if you like being up on the sticks for a while, there's an extraordinary run from Davos to Clusters, okay? And there is a fantastic, there, it's, it's, it's an amazing skiing range, but it's too expensive. What happened was after the first year, we thought, oh, okay, we hadn't really figured out, you know, the way you go and you get excited. And uh, second year, it was costing, I think it was like 25 euros for a plate of pasta for the kids at lunchtime. And I looked at Chan and I said, this ain't happening. So then we, then we go to, we try to go skiing if we can to a place called Champaluc, which is in Italy, just over the mountain there. Uh, but the Davos, if you're, if you're, it, it, it's an extraordinary run from Davos to Clusters, but it's, it's just too expensive. I it's mean, it's really, you want to be really wealthy uh, to go there, but it's unbelievably beautiful. And if you get the chance to do the train from Zurich to Davos, it's beautiful. The train journey is fantastic. And the trains in Switzerland are cheap. There's actually all around, Davos is an area called Graubunden. And all around Graubunden are these beautiful, beautiful train journeys into the Alps. And they're really fantastic. They're magical. They're really magical. Did you ski in Canada? Yeah, I, I, skied, I skied for about, um, since uh, from five years old to wow. about 23, 24, 25. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. so I, I skied all over uh, Western Canada. Um, yeah, I've skied, you know, 15, 20 mountains around Western Canada. Yeah, Rocky. Is Canada, is Canada uh, very different? The best places like Whistler. Like I, I lived in Whistler, Canada for, for a year. Did you? Wow. year and a half. I lived, I lived in Banff, Alberta for a year. Um, so I lived, I, lived in, I lived in Golden, BC, you know, and, and around Revelstoke for, for, for quite a while. I lived around all those areas. Yeah. I love skiing. I miss it. And so which resort is the best in Canada for, for the skiing first? Well, I guess number one resort, I think it could be in the world, you know, is Whistler. Isn't I mean, or it's the top three in the world. You know, I mean, that, that to me, is, it has everything you want. You know, it, you know, it has everything that anybody could dream of for adrenaline activities for skiing and for winter. And just it, it's a phenomenal resort. You it's know, a beautiful town one. as well. It's amazing town, you know, the Olympics were there, you know, um, it's, it's just like, like, it's, it's an amazing, like their town, it, it has heated streets to the snow because it gets dumps of snow. So the heat, the streets are heated. So the snow melts when it hits the ground, it, you know, it's, wow. I mean, I'm just getting flavors are coming to me. I'm thinking about adventure. I need to get out of this country right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the one thing about Ireland I, I find tricky. You know, I'm so yeah. jealous, like you, being able to grow up and go skiing or in Europe to be able to just hop in a car. Yeah. I think I'll go skiing this afternoon. It's the one thing we don't have in Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is one thing we don't have. And I mean, if it did have it, you could be sure I would be skiing. Um, I mean, to ski is, is to travel is, you know, it's, 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 yeah. I always said to myself, you know, um, in the next few years, I would love to see myself try and get, uh, a holiday home somewhere in a place that has amazing summers and amazing winters, um, you know, for, for, so I could go there in the summer and go there in the winter time and get skiing and get the, get the amazing mountain biking and, and stuff I used to know and grow up to love. Yeah. So where do you live in Switzerland actually? Uh, yeah, I live in Zug, in Canton Zug, and it's um, it's about half an hour from Zurich. It's it's kind of in in what they call central Switzerland, so it's 
it's a it's a low lying area, but surrounded by mountains. So surrounded by lakes and mountains, actually. And how far and are the mountains from you? Um, well, it depends what you're talking about. Like you could be you could be at two thousand meters in twenty minutes. Um, you could be at four thousand meters in about an hour. So yeah, so that's surrounded by by loads of different different peaks and and uh, and hills. And where do you like for skiing then? Where do you go? Yeah, I'd probably be biased towards our side of the country. And, and I suppose mm-hmm. it depends on, for me, it depends on what level of skier you're at, right? So if you're, if you're kind of a beginner to intermediate, um, there's probably, yeah, I'd say, I'd say somewhere like Andermatt um, or Engelberg is great. So when, when we have family coming over, we'd, we'd often go to one of those two. Um, Engelberg is, is quite a well-known resort in our part of the world. Don't know yet. You've probably never heard of it, have you? No, no. No. <laughs> um, and actually, there's not a lot of tourists go there. So you get a lot of Swiss, you get a lot of Germans, and you get a lot of the, the let's say, the foreigners living in Switzerland. But Engelberg is great because it has lovely, wide, open pieces. Um, it's, it gets a lot of sun. So it's, it's one of those really sunny resorts. Um, it's got a lot for the non-skiers as well. So if you've got, you know, if the kids are too young to ski or if you've got people not skiing, you've got, you know, you can do snowshoeing. There's a big sledging run. Uh, there's an ice cave. There's a big suspension bridge at the very top of the, the resort. Um, there's, a, there's a tubing run as well, which is great fun. Um, and then the great thing for me about Engelberg is if you're, if you're a really good skier and you're into off-piste, there's some brilliant off-piste in Engelberg. Um, all pretty safe, the, you know, the, the, the kind of what they call the, the yellow runs. So they're controlled and then sometimes they'll, they'll do controlled explosions if they think there's going to be an avalanche or whatever. So if the yellow runs are open, then you can ski them, but they're not pasted in any way. So these are those kinds of runs where you go, you know, you go off the side of the piste and you're in kind of backcountry. So that'd be, that'd be a big recommendation for me. One more, I would say, is Andermatt. And Andermatt's an interesting one. It's um, it's right beside the Gothard Tunnel. Um, you know, you probably heard recently about the, the Gothard Tunnel. It, it, they kind of made uh, they made the records because it's I think it's the longest train tunnel in the world or something. And it's also it's also a road tunnel, and it's it's quite a, a famous one when, for for anyone living in Switzerland going down to Italy from central Switzerland. But Andermatt is just before the tunnel, and it used to be a massive army base for the Swiss army. And so the army used to ski a lot there, um, but, but not many people would really consider going there. And they closed the army base a few years ago and it's turned into a, a beautiful resort. Um, they've, they've, they've kind of kicked it off with this almost six star hotel called the Chedi. And this is like, this is kind of the ultimate in luxury. You get, you kind of get a lot of celebs that come there that want they don't really want to be in Verbien. They don't want to be in Gestad or in Zermatt because they'll probably be seen and recognised. So Andermatt is the place where they go when they don't want to be. They don't want anyone to see or recognise them. And again, lovely, lovely pieces and some brilliant off piece. So it kind of caters for everybody. So they'd be my two recommendations on our side of Switzerland. And then the other side of Switzerland, you probably know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would definitely be Verbier. Um, but, but one thing I would say is Verbier is not great for intermediate skiers. It doesn't have great pieces. Mm-hmm. Verbier is an advanced skiers kind of resort because it has the most incredible backcountry. Um, 
you know, off-piste runs. And it also has absolutely brilliant apres ski, as you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know very well. So, yeah, I think they'd be my three, three big recommendations. We had three great guests on season one who all love skiing. Keith Wood, Irish journalist Philip O'Connor, who lives in Sweden, and RTE producer Tara Lockery-Grant. If you haven't already checked out their episodes in from season one, then I'd really recommend them, and they're all available now. Yeah, I look, I love that, that idea of, of skiing, and that's how we got to know each other, yeah. um, which is, you know, through friends, but uh, was through that sense of camaraderie that you have with it, and also the sense of doing that with your kids. And um, like we had seven or eight different families all in, in France skiing for, for years and years and all learning along the way. And the crack that you have with that is just fantastic. But it's a great holiday to, to have. And where you skied is uh, Léger beside Morzine. Um, that's, I have to say, it's my favourite place, particularly for families. Like it, it, it's a gorgeous resort, isn't it? Very relaxed and it, it is, but it's picture postcard. And, yeah, um, where you go, there's lovely restaurants on the mountain, and <clears throat> and the people are pretty friendly. And but it's it's varying levels of difficulty, not too difficult. And I think it's great for us because it puts our ego back in the box. We, we tend not to go mad on, on it. And the, there's a few black runs, but not too many. And we're very uh, careful when we go down those or not. And But it's family friendly. It's a very it's a, an easy place to go. We got to know everybody, so we we know all the instructors. There we friends who live there, and you know you kind of become part of the community, albeit only for a week or two every year. Exactly. And would there be somewhere you'd go to if it wasn't like if it was uh, with mates rather than family? Is there a resort that yeah. you'd recommend? I learned in Zermatt, which is um, uh, much higher, much more difficult. Um, uh, I had a friend of mine uh, who, who pretty much forced me to go uh, skiing. So I, I thank him and curse him for that. But um, uh, and that's that's a, that's a wonderful place. But um, what I loved about Leger actually is it's it's ease uh, accessibility. It's only an hour from from Geneva Airport. So exactly. when you're flying in, you're there very very quickly. If you fly in the morning, you can be skiing in the afternoon. Um, that makes it very easy. Um, and it's again family friendly but no I, I do you know what I like skiing and I think it's 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 a lovely thing to do I've skied in maybe five or six different places over the years uh, I'd still quite go back to Leger because I think it's nice and easy and we're not skiing for the biggest challenge of all time and that's one of the things when I sound like an old fuddy-duddy but I'm definitely getting towards being a bit of an old fuddy-duddy is that I want to enjoy it. I'm not looking for a challenge. This is the challenge for me. This is relaxation and chilling out. I, I love seeing those French guys, you know, about 70 or 80, their wooden skis, you know, just cruising down the hill, you know. Yeah, well, that won't be ever <laughs> because neither of us are as fluent as they are. <laughs> no. But yeah, but there is something nice about that too, you know, that, that's kind of part and parcel of it. It's a way of... For me, it's a lovely sociability, and skiing is incredibly sociable. 
You never hear Irish people talking about Sweden as a skiing destination. Is there, do people go skiing there? Or? They, oh, they do. It's huge. Like, so uh, one of the things about COVID, and I'm writing about it at the moment, was that um, in, in this, you have what's called a sports holiday here. Now, they're sort of dispersed over the country so that not everybody arrives at the skiing destinations together. So in, in, in Sweden, or sorry, in Stockholm, it's the ninth week of the year. So all the Stockholm schools closed and you pack the, the kids into the car and you go to somewhere, you know, it could be three, four, five hours north and you go and you ski. Like, so it could be downhill skiing, uh, it could be snowboarding, or it could be cross-country skiing. Cross-country skiing is absolutely huge. So the way, yeah, the way, the, what the Sunday game is for us in Ireland during the summer, they have this, like, you know, winter studio. That's what, that's for the Swedes in the winter. That's the Sunday game, right? It starts at maybe nine or 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, three or four hours of biathlon, of cross-country skiing, of downhill skiing. And to be honest, I always thought cross-country skiing was really boring. It's like jogging on skis, like, get out mm. of here, you know? Now, I'll watch it. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of doing it. But that in biathlon, I was lucky enough to cover biathlon at the, the Olympics in Pyeongchang recently, and the skill it takes to do that, to calm yourself down after pounding away around the track, I just enormous respect for those athletes. But in terms of like, it really is a normal thing. And it's amazing to see the number of people who come over here and they're working on contracts for Ericsson, say, you know, so they have a, they used to have a huge presence in Ireland, probably not as big anymore. But a lot of people come over here working and all of a sudden they get into skiing because, you know, with about two hours north of Stockholm, you can find a pretty decent slope. And even if it's crowded, you know, there's black slopes up there and people can get up there. What is it? Roma Alpine, I think, is a few hours north of here. And that's a very popular destination. So a lot of, you know, if you're young and single and don't have any children, you can get up at, say, six o'clock on a Saturday morning. You can get the bus up there two, three hours. You're on the slope at nine o'clock and then they drive you back at six and you're back in, you know, they might be in the L-Dub pub in the center town for nine or ten o'clock. And it's not that expensive, you know, so it might cost you, you know, 30, 40 euros for the pass for the day. Well, but that's actually pretty good when you think mm -hmm. that you know in, in Ireland you don't have those options so you'd have to fly down to France or whatever now I think you have this idea that the Alps the Austrian Italian French Alps that they're really the place to be but they're quite expensive quite exclusive and quite hard to get to whereas if you're living in a city like Stockholm already you know well then it's pretty close by so it's quite easy and the Swedes wouldn't see it as being this you know snobby thing you know so even when you go to school here like my kids are teenagers once a, once a year or twice a year they'll be put on a bus and brought up to these places and they'll be taught how to ski you know and it's funny where we live a lot of our neighbors would be from iran you know their parents or, or grandparents would be from iran from turkey kurdistan eritrea somalia this kind of thing and it's it's funny because they don't have that culture of skiing but kids pick it up so quickly usually when they're smaller because they're so close to the ground and they don't care about falling <laughs> exactly. and i absolutely love to see because you know if you look at skiing essentially as a sport it's very very white and i mean that in every sense of the word yeah. you know so we very seldom see a person of color taking part in the olympics and you know this is the thing that they don't really get stuck into it. There's been a couple of lads I've seen who took up ice hockey and who ended up playing in the NHL. You know, so it would be great to see people from different backgrounds making the jump into skiing. Because after the Pyeongchang Olympics, actually, I ended up, I decided I was going to teach myself to snowboard from YouTube because I just have no patience with anybody telling me to do anything. So I rented a snowboard. I think we were up there for three or four days and I got the hang of it. But boy, geez, I've never had bruises like it in my life. <laughs> do you have a favorite skiing place for fun? And for skiing, or two places, yeah. you know. There's there's one place here, right? Um, my wife's family are from, or, well, her father's family are from five hours north of Stockholm, in a place called Harriet Allen. And it's one of those places that Swedes will drive to. So, you know, when we get to that famous week nine, um, they'll always drive up there. And our father still has a cabin up there. Fairly rudimentary thing. Again, we need, we need to get away from the idea that it's like, you know, it's like having a chateau in Bulgaria or whatever. That's not what it is at all, right? So up in Vemdalen, in a place called Björn Rika, the Bears Kingdom, that's where I learned to ski. And uh, that was where I got the skis on the first time. And my wife went, I said, she went, I'll show you the basics. Went, no, no, off you go, because that was going to end in divorce, right? And then our parents stood at the bottom of the children's slope and they watched me teach myself to ski. And it was the funniest thing they've ever seen, right? 
until they thought that I was going to kill myself. Because six foot three, 90 kilos, Gaelic footballer, basketballer, martial arts, none of that is any use to you when you're learning to ski. Right? And I went down more times than Mike Tyson's sparring partners in the course of learning to do it. But it worked for me because, like I say, I have that blend of, I have the perfect blend of arrogance and stupidity to think, I will eventually be able to do this. And that was where I learned. And it's still the place that I like to go back to because I, I progressed from there, from the kids' slopes to the green slopes. I remember one time actually skiing down a green slope and thinking, oh, this is okay. So I went over sort of a little bump where you're going to leave the ground and I came down and I didn't land properly and I didn't wear a helmet. So my head hit the deck. And you know when you watch a cartoon and you see the bells sort of spinning around somebody? That's exactly what it was like. I learned a lesson that day. But that's just one of those places. I love to go back there because, again, it's to do with memory. It's to do with remembering. That was, you know, maybe what it could. It must be 20 years ago now, 19 years ago now that I first went skiing. And it's remembering who I was then and the person I've, uh, that I've become. And also that I eventually conquered that mountain. I was eventually able to ski down that without the bells ringing in my head. So, yeah, Bjorn Rieke, Vemdal, and anywhere up there, Vemdal, Scott it in that part of Hayadol and absolutely beautiful places to go and quite easy to access as well. I learned skiing in uh, when I was 30 uh, in Verbi in Switzerland and yep. the girl, it was a posh English girl who was teaching me and she'd been teaching uh, Clive Woodward to ski the day or to oh, well. snowboard the day before but she kept going to me. At first she was going, you know, putting your hands out and um, imagine you're holding a tray of champagne, you know, it's kind of a posh resort. <laughs> and but then she kept going to me don't worry it'll come back to you and I kept going I'm Irish I, I've never skied before she just couldn't get her head around this concept of a, a 30 year old who'd never skied is, yeah this is the thing like I mean you're ba- when you stand up your balance is one way right but when you stand on skis or skate it's something completely different and it's realizing that the center of gravity shifts from the middle of your chest to your hips, right? Now, the other thing about, we mentioned mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu earlier on, that's all about the hips. It's all about controlling the hips. And when, when that clicks for you, when you get that, then you've broken the code of, sw- uh, of skiing, right? It's like learning a language, you know? Eventually, everything falls into place and it clicks, you know? Or the kids learn to read. Eventually, it starts to make sense. Of but until you get to that point, there are many, many falls and many, many bruises and bandages until that point and not being able to get out of the bed the following morning, you know? But it really is, it's a lot of fun. And I would, I would say to people, even though I'm 49 years old now, you were 30 when you learned. I was probably maybe a year or two older than that. But I'd say you're never too old. Just go out no. there, find some posh English girl or some Swedish teenager, <laughs> yeah. and eventually they'll, they'll get you to learn it, you know? And you're right. One thing about skiing more than other, you know, I, I like to not go back to the same place. Yeah. But one thing about skiing is actually going back is great because you, you conquer a mountain that you couldn't do the year before. Yeah. So for skiing, it's a little bit different. Oh, yeah, I was kind of upset with myself because there was one day I went to interview the Swedes in Pyeongchang and what I didn't realize going there was that the ski slope was open to the public on this particular day, right? I've always had this thing of, I want to try to ski, you know, one or two of the things or in some of the places that the Olympics is. A lot of people do it as a matter of course. You'll have journalists who bring, like photographers that I know, they bring their skis and they go up in the lift before the competition at six, seven in the morning and then they ski down and they pick their positions. So there's certain positions that they're allowed to pick and the earlier you get there, the better chance you have. You get your pick of the positions. So they have their skis with them. I don't, but you know, there was a place there and the difference here was you could have hired skis or a snowboard just to give it a go. So I've never done an olympic slope i'm just hoping that you know somebody will take me to the next olympics which i think is in beijing and china and i get a chance to do mm-hmm. that you know tara could you tell me your favorite resort one for skiing and two for crack okay i think i think kitsbu for skiing and it's a slightly older crowd, oh God, maybe not now, but it was, it used to be a slightly older crowd. So I think for crack, um, I think Zell and Say, 
in Austria is really as well is really nice um, it's great I mean you can hear music starting to kind of waft up the mountainside from mm. about four o'clock and um, I think that it, the, 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 there's just great bars great atmosphere people from all over the place and then Seoul is another place I used to work there in oh, Seoul in a uh, guest house which was really gas I used to do breakfast and then uh, serve at breakfast and help um, make the, some of the food prepare the food then got to ski in the afternoon and then mm. served the evening meal and even the DJ <laughs> for maybe about five to ten people who were in the bar but no it was yes yeah, so it was good but not as good possibly as Solemn say Solemn say yeah Wow. What, okay. what about for you? Um, for me, I would pick uh, Léger in France for, um, you know, that's lovely. It's very relaxed. You know, it's only it's yeah, small town. Good skiing. Oh, but for skiing, it's it's lovely. And uh, Saint-Anton, it's Austria as well. You know, Saint-Anton. Yes, I never got to go. Yeah, that's a real, I always you know, got the impression it was pricey. No, no, not at all, actually. And it's real. It's similar, as you say, like the music's going in the afternoon and they've got a bar like where they say they sell the most amount during the winter it's in all of Europe is the most beer. So everyone skis to this bar and <laughs> goes on the beer and then you go out and it's dark and you look for your, try and find your skis and you, <laughs> and, and you have to ski down the rest of the mountain. Yeah. So it's, it's famous. So I remember one time coming out and putting my skis on and, you know, not knowing <laughs> know, which was up or down and just falling straight over. <laughs> but, uh, I remember one time um, I came, I had, God, I was very new to skiing at the time. And I got, I mean, and I was studying um, in Austria. So I had no money, you know, so you, if you can ski in a budget in any way, shape or form, I probably have done it. But it was, and work your way through it. But um, yeah, so I came out and somebody gave me a, a very kindly a glass of glue vine first time having it you know right. not really realizing it is i suppose mulled wine but glue vine and it was gorgeous so i threw it into me and then they were saying oh look well we have one for the road and of course this is great i rolled down i didn't i think every time i got back on my skis i just toppled over got another few meters mm. down we got up again oh no down yet let's go again and after that i think i separated out my skiing from my apres ski, a bit yeah. like you. Yeah, it's funny. I was just looking at an article during the week because Ishkel are talking about, you know, the famous place from last year. They're talking about opening up for this oh, the new season. God. And uh, one of the things they were saying is like, you know, for the hospitals that so many people go in there with injuries that you know, to take up space, you know. I but, was um, so conscious of that. I was just thought, I do not want to be an Egypt yeah. who because of one too many of two glue vines did not want to be the one so I got cop I copped on after that I think I walked down the rest of the way backwards nearly holding my skis just so that it wouldn't happen did you, you didn't ever injure yourself did you uh, no but um I I've been to Kitzbühel as well actually and I, I love what that do you think? I really liked it yeah I kind of thought it was, it's I found a great, well, actually, one of my friends, we were all in bed one night and he went out for a quick walk and then he discovered this nightclub, which was a great spot in Kitzbühel. And really? it was it was full of these, we call them, you know, Euro trash. They looked all like, they looked like German princes and they were, they were drinking champagne, but they were opening up the bottles with uh, swords. So, yeah. So we felt Jesus. like the poor Irish guys in the corner 
But there's a this. bit of that because like Kitswill has a reputation of being quite a wealthy mm. spot as well, an expensive um, place to go. And maybe then that nightclub, I totally, it missed me, passed me by. So at least if you were the poor Irish cousins, I wasn't even on the radar. That's yeah. where I was at. So yeah, maybe it's time to go back. Maybe exactly. see if these princes are still there with their knives. And oh God, you know what? Any Going back anywhere and getting on the slopes anywhere again will just be a go. Exactly. I interviewed two ski experts especially for this episode the Irish journalist Catra Murphy who gives a wonderful run through the best ski resorts in Europe then we have the legendary Warren Smith who's based in Verbier and is considered one of the top ski instructors in the world Catherine. You did a brilliant article in the Irish Independent in December about the ski season ahead. And I know it changes daily. We have to say that caveat and it's the $60 million question. But how do you think the season in 2021 looks at the moment? Well, uh, hi, Fergal. First of all, thanks for having me. Uh, Challenging season. I think a lot of ski companies and resorts are really hoping. I think their, their aim their measure of success for this season is to survive and rebuild for 21-22. So you have tour operators like Top Flight and Crystal Ireland already selling their programmes for 21-22. We've seen the demise of some ski companies, High Life, Irish Shelley Company. They they closed up in May this year, I think. So you're the foremost, I would say, the ski writer in Ireland. So how did you get into that? Like, do you have you always loved skiing? Um, well, I'm a journalist. I was a rookie journalist. I think I was 22 years old, working for the Evening Press. I don't know if you remember the Evening uh, Press. Of course. It's long since gone. And I was asked to do an article on travel for the following year. And a travel agent on the phone said to me, oh, you have to write about skiing. And she just, her enthusiasm was just uh, infectious. Yeah. So I just went straight up to the ski club in Kildare and did four classes. Oh, yeah. And then went skiing the following year with a group of friends to Bulgaria. So I was 24, I think, when I started to ski and I just got the book. It, I just loved the whole holiday experience, the winter experience, the mountains, loved the mountains. I'd been a very non-sporty person up until then. I was bookish and uh, <laughs> that all changed. So it took me about four or five holidays to get the, the ski. You know, I was I was woeful at the start. So it took me quite a while to get the, the taste for And I quite decided I quite liked the speed. And that was it. And I've loved it. Yeah, it's been the passion ever since. Until, and it's, I would say it's, I'm sure a lot of people who are passionate about skiing say this has changed my life. It's just been a great, uh, a great passion. And yeah, it's just changed my life for the better. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I can even see it with my kids, you know, they've got the bug and it's like they feel like their civil rights are being abused, not being able to go <laughs> skiing, you know. Now, now well, I was going to say it's a wonderful gift for any parent to give their children. But the, the flip side of that is it becomes a, an expensive, wonderful gift to give your children. You've exactly. got to pay until they reach 21 or whatever. So, um, For resorts, do you think is there a different personality for the different resorts, like between France, Italy, Austria? I do. I mean, I think there's a different personality between regions within France and, and between style of resorts as well in France. Yeah. But, you know, Austria, obviously, as you know, is known for its its cosy coziness, the gemutlich um, pardon my, my terrible accent <laughs> so that coziness and the apre the Austrian apre I haven't been to Austria for a couple of years and I did a trip I think two winters ago and I, you just walk into a bar and you just feel it it's just a different different atmosphere kind of a, an electric atmosphere and yeah, uh, yeah it's just that very cosy cosy lively thing 
And France then, I, I mean, people talk about French resorts. Oh, they're all purpose-built. I'd never go skiing in France. It's not true. You do have the purpose-built resorts like Teen, um, Avorias, which I love, um, Valterens, Flen, all those places. But you also have very traditional Savoyard um, villages. You can't compare St. Martin de Belleville, which is at the base of the Three Valleys, which is this tiny little village, very laid back, with you know all these little hamlets dotted around with beautiful chalets. You can't compare it to Val Terence, which is at the top of the Three Valleys, but they're both in the same ski area, so very different. Mm-hmm. Italy, of course, you know, just the stupefyingly beautiful scenery of the Dolomites and the Italians. I always say they love their passaggiato or promenade. They love yeah. apres ski for them as promenading, you know, parading mm-hmm. through Cortina in their their furs and their nice gear and having a glass of wine. And uh, Switzerland, I find it quite hard. Maybe you have an opinion on that. I, I spend a lot of time in Switzerland. But in terms of how it's different, it's got that beautiful postcard scenery, of course, mm. absolutely stunningly gorgeous places. I mean, just incredible. And um, perhaps it's a little bit more genteel in terms of its apres and its, you know, that those kind of scenes. But yeah, and then where else? Where we talk about, I haven't actually skied in Germany yet. I've hiked the Zugspitze, but I haven't skied it. So um, I can't have, I know I've been to Garmisch, which is beautiful. Again, beautiful town. Just a lovely place to hang out in. So, When I was in college, I spent the summer in Munich and I went to Garmisch for a weekend, you know, in the summertime. And I was like, I just was amazed. So I fell in love with the Alps in the summertime before I did yeah, in the wintertime. Well, a lot of people who live in the Alps say they go for the winter, but they love it for the summer. It's just, yeah, yeah the hiking and all the different different activities. So, And would you have a preference then out of those countries? I know it's a tricky question, but... Well, people people always say, oh, Murph, sorry, my nickname is Murph. Uh, Murph loves France because I, I'm very fond of the Three Valleys because that's where I learned to ski off-piste and that'll be forever in my heart, you know, uh, just vast off-piste up around that the whole three valleys so yeah I, I love France for the the big ski areas so three valleys Paradis ski La Plan Les Arcs and you know just being able to get lots of kilometers under your skis on a given day but you know I have to say I love everywhere I love I do love the Dolomites but my favorite if you ask me what my favorite mountain is it's going to be the four valleys in Switzerland um Ferbier, Montfort because I got I was lucky enough to spend most of a season there God, over 10 years ago, but um, I just love that mountain, Fritz. It's got a lot of, I know you were talking to Warren Smith, so you've, you've probably heard all this before. No, no. It's got a lot of lift accessible off-piste. Yeah. And it's just, we used to have a couple of routes that we loved doing, the Grepon Blanc off-piste. We just loved that. And uh, that was our special day out, the Stairway to Heaven, which is a boot pack yeah. up a steep slope to, to ski powder down the other side. Montjolais, where I a little injury last February, but we won't. Maybe we won't talk about that. No, I do want and, to hear about uh, that. <laughs> lots of lots of off piste. Yeah, loved. yeah. So, are you more into off piste now? That are is it a bit of both? I I would have been big into off piste. Um, probably the peak of it was ten or twelve years ago. Myself and friends did the oat route between. Actually, that was longer, Fergal, God. Um, so that's a big ski. It's a classic ski touring route between yeah. Chamonix and Zermatt. And it's absolutely, if you're if you're someone who's into off-piste, it's a, it's a fabulous thing to do. I just love... Is it hard um, to do? Because oh, yeah, I, I, I went through a phase where I was reading up about it, trying to convince some friends, but 
is it, is it difficult or is it more endurance? It's it's endurance. You know, we we did the Oat Route with an Irish guide, Robbie Fennell, at the time, and he he said at the time, you know, you don't need to be a brilliant skier. You can be an intermediate skier to, to go ski touring. I think that depends on the terrain. If you're going to be handling powder or a lot of powder, you need to be a good skier. Um, yeah, the, the skinning part of it, the uphill part of it is, is tough. Definitely, it's an all over body workout and it's it definitely requires endurance. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you get stronger as the days go by. That's the thing, Fergal. You know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So we did a lot of that, well, a fair bit of it 10 years ago. And then we, you know, we've got older and lazier. So I'm trying to get back into it at the moment. And last year I had a, a couple of days uh, ski touring. So in, where was I? Obertown in Austria, I did a morning ski touring. That was, that was interesting because <laughs> I had a big night out the night before. And then I had another day somewhere else. I can't remember. We definitely, we, yeah, Verbier was where I I was on a ski touring trip, but I, I had a little ACL injury, nothing to do with the train or skiing. It's just a, it's a moment in time injury, ACL, as you, I'm sure yeah. you know. So that put paid to my ski touring on that trip. And that was, was that one, did you have to get ski lifted? Was that the one? That's the one I was, you know, we were <laughs> very embarrassing. We were skiing with them. Um, Javier de la Rue, he's a champion snowboard, ex-free ride world tour champion. Lovely, lovely guy. You should check out. Actually, he does a great podcast uh, based around environmentalism and, and ski and snowboarding. He's a snowboarder. So basically, we'd gone onto this, um, onto a steepish slope, and Javier was down the end talking to one of the, the group. And I didn't, I didn't have a fall. I just did a stop turn, and I heard the pop. And uh, the knee wasn't completely gone, but it was, it was just wobbling. It wasn't right. So the guide, we were with a French mountain guide. He was brilliant. He said, "Look, we're going to have to call a." I wasn't able to ski down, so we had to call a helicopter. So, yeah, I had to be winched wow. for the first five, probably five minutes. I was suspended in midair by cable. Wow. And it's one of the best things I've ever done. It was brilliant. <laughs> was <laughs> I it? loved it. Were you terrified or you weren't, were you scared at all or was it just? Not, not at all. I've, I've friends who are into hang gliding and paragliding. So I've done, I've done a few tandem flights over the years. So, wow. you know, I've been in the air before, but obviously it's different. You're just hanging from a cable. But you've got a guy, you've got a, a rescue guy making sure you're okay. And obviously you would completely trust your, your yeah. the re- mountain rescue team. They're brilliant. And uh, no, I loved it because you're you're flying. Wow. You know, you're in midair, you're yeah. right up next to the rock faces. And for me, it was a big, big adventure. Uh, pricely, a costly adventure, but luckily I had good travel insurance. Yeah, because all I know is every time I see those, when I see a helicopter going past me, I get the heebie-jeebies. I'm a nervous yeah. wreck wherever I am. I'm like literally crawling down the mountain after that when I see it, you know. Yeah. You know, it was it was me. It was me that day. But as I say, it was it wasn't because you know people say oh off piece skiing is very dangerous. It was nothing to do with the fact that it was off piece. For families, then we're like a resort for families. Where would you recommend? Yeah, well, I I think you know for for young families or maybe beginner families, you don't want you don't need a big you want a small resort where it's easy to get around. And I do think the ski veld in Austria is a great. I don't know whether you ski there much yourself. It's two hundred seventy or eighty yeah. kilometers yeah. of linked resorts. So little resorts like Elmo, Westendorf. I mean, if you stay in the hotel post in Westendorf, you literally step out the door, walk across the street, pick your skis up in the ski hire shop, and the chairlift, the baby slope, the nursery slope is right there, and the chairlift up to the the rest of the resort. So the ski veld definitely. Um, I do think the French Pyrenees places like Coteray, Luz Ardiden. 
the Catalan Pyrenees, but they wouldn't be offered by Irish tour operators. You would have to, that would be DIY trip, hire a car and organize your own, your own stuff. Um, places like La Molina, La Masea, Portanay, and uh, Bacara Brett, then further up into the Val Duran. And, you know, Andorra obviously is a brilliant one. I've seen the ski school and the instructors in operation in Andorra, Saldeo, and they're just brilliant. They're English speaking. They just put lots of fun into the classes. And if you've got teenage children, race courses, free ride courses, freestyle for teenagers. So I think that's that's always a good bet for, for families. Maribel, the three Alps, I think, because of the, the kind of slopes they have. They have some nice intermediate slopes. Chamrousse in the Isère region, also in France. Um, I was there, I think, two winters ago. Again, it's a purpose-built area, but just really good value on apartments, just incredibly good value on apartments, so it won't break the bank. I know Crystal's key talk about Paso Tonali a lot for families. So, again, that's that's very popular with them. And um, what do you think? You, I don't have a family. I don't have children. So well, that's always where I've been going is, is Léger in France, which yeah. I just love because yeah. it's a lovely little picturesque town and and very yeah. easy. And again, the French, I, the, the ski instructors were French, but they were lovely. They're really good. They're really good with the kids. And um, it's, it's a nice place to ski. It's easy enough, little area, quite relaxed. So that's where yeah. I, I like, I have to sit. Like, yeah, you know, it's lovely. I, and someone, someone was mentioning the fact that if, if people are worried about taking gondolas or cable cars this winter, that you can get around Leger pretty well on the Chauvin side. Is that right? Without having yeah, to take. Exactly. And actually I read that and I was going silver, silver lining. Cause I was in my head going, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> you know, it is true, but I was going, you know, normally when I'm there, I'd be cursing, but now, that's actually a good it's thing. A bonus. You know? it's a, yeah, it's a plus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. definitely Leger for families. I hear I have a lot of friends who go there. Another place, one of my friends does his winter seasons in Latuila and he hates every time I mention Latuila, literally, stop talking about it. I don't want people to know about it. But for me, Crystal Ski have it in their program mm-hmm. and it's in the Aosta Valley. It's linked to La Rosier in France. So if you have a family where someone's a good skier, um, they've got plenty of terrain. There's a new free ride area, well, new in the last two years on the La Rosier side called Mont Valaison. So you've got a bit more challenging terrain. Mm-hmm. But for families, it's just it never gets that busy. Um, you've got these apartments at the base of the lifts in La Tuile, And it's just so easy. You just walk out of your apartment and you, again, step onto your skis and and off you go. And, I, and the prices are great. It's a friendly place. You've been there for a few days. Everyone knows you. And I suppose that's another thing we should mention for families is mountaintop villages, isn't it? Places like Avorias, Muren and Switzerland. Muren, my pronunciation is terrible, Switzerland. It's a beautiful mountain village. Absolutely beautiful. Or where else? Where's the other place we were thinking about? Yeah, La Plan, Les Arcs are all great yeah. for, for families because you step out of your hotel onto the slopes. <laughs> It's and then for the other group who are, say, people in their 20s, like who apres ski is as much a part of the skiing. Well, I suppose there's, there's a long, long list, isn't there? I know, I, know, <laughs> I, look, I, I mean, we all know, we're all familiar with St. Anton and the the crazy scenes and the crazy kangaroo of the Moosevert, just big, big party scene. Verbier again, the, the Farinay. Mm. Uh, I used to go years ago, don't go anymore. 
in France, you've got La Folie Douce Chain. So La Folie Douce is, you know, it has that very cabaret style, which is great fun. You're outdoors. Um, I, I tend to think in terms of bars I've enjoyed. So I've, been, I've definitely had good apres in the Silver Bullet and Bad Gastine. Salback is a good spot. When you arrive in Salback on a Saturday afternoon, you can feel that energy. You can feel that buzz, you know. And, and Chamonix, I've loved Chamonix for live, great live music scene. But as I say, my favourite th- thing these days is a, a tiny village bar, you know, where I can just sit at the bar and have a good glass of wine. There's a wine bar in Val d'Isere, like La Baquera, I think it's called. Or and actually, now you say somewhere last, in my notes there. The last time I was in, my last place to ski in was in San Anton, but we we're in, I can't remember the name. That was a little village just outside. But we ended up skiing yeah. there every day. And it was, we ended up in a little bar. So we were in San Anton. But we ended up being in this little bar outside, you know what I mean, in a village. Yeah. I only well, exactly. one bar, <laughs> you know. Yeah, only exactly. And, and one friend. <laughs> yeah. And tell us, do you have a favorite resort? I know it's probably a yucky question, but what's the first one that comes into your head when I say that? I, I say the same thing to people as I think I already said. I'm, I'm very fond of the Three Valleys. Valtorens, I'll always love Valtorens because it introduced me to off piste skiing. Yes. But, um, I would say my favourite mountain, and that is definitely the the Mont Montfort, the Four Valleys in Switzerland. Yeah, just because I'd got to spend that extra time there and loved it. But I love, I love everything. There isn't a resort in the world I that I don't like, basically. And you probably give it, you know, you could give a different answer every day, really, couldn't you? You know. Yeah, so. yeah. How long have you been in Verbier? Well, I've been in Verbier since '94, so quite a long wow. time. Yeah, it's my 26th season this year. Wow. Um, I'm getting old, Fergal. I'm getting old, Fergal. I, mean, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, um, yeah, I'm 48 at the moment. Has it and, changed uh, a lot in in the like? It's changed or not. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Has I mean, it, yeah, it has. It's changed a lot. And and Verbier is great. I mean, it still retains its, you know, it's, it's people are passionate about skiing. It's got a core skier mentality. Um, you know, there's a great atmosphere in the resort most of the time it's, it's, it's also got a great summer as well so you know if you're coming here to mm. get on the e-bikes or just go and you know hike in or whatever it's, it's awesome as as you know but um no i mean it, 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 so there's a couple of step changes you know from my side it, you know that we when i first opened up the school here you know it was the first british ski school to open in in, in or, or whatever british irish I'm, I'm half irish half british so first school to open up with an english speaker as in like the the the, the, the english guy comes over opens his school up and that was in 94 and um, a lot of Irish love Verbier people come over and they, you know, they, they get involved you know, and, and, and that's great. And, and, and the level of instruction is great. I think, you know, so, so uh, and your place is very famous. So it's, it's called Warren Smith's Academy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's purely narcissistic sort of a uh, title. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, it's good, good, good name recognition. Um, uh, you know, it, it was because we made videos back in the, in the you know, 99, 2000, whatever, we, we used to make DVDs and, and it was the easiest way to get the message across the DVD. The, the name stuck and then a lot of articles that were coming out. Um, and, and that was it. We just put the, because the, the, it was only me at the start, you see. So so that's why it was like that. And, and then obviously now we've got a team and a really good crew of people around us, you know. That, 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 and that, my impression is is that, so you do like from beginners to advanced, but you're particularly famous for the, it's the advanced kind of training off pistes and things like that isn't it yeah yeah intermediate and advanced yeah i mean basically the, the, i think the classic skier you know that's come out they've done a week ski holiday they they can ski they can get about but they they want to get a good foundation they want to get the confidence to go off piste and and it's that usual thing that it's a very different story from jumping on your skis and skiing down a piste turning left and right everything feels lovely it's a gl- glorious day and blah 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 but 
when you take that skier into steeps, moguls or powder snow, the, 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 it can feel very different, you know, very quickly. And, and, and we cater a lot for that market. So that's like an intermediate classically stuck on a plateau, wants to get off the plateau, get the confidence up and, and get off piste or ski steeper slopes or ski moguls or whatever. Are you in other places? We're in, we, we run a regular program in Japan. So we're in the Seiko in Japan and um, we, we, we have a, you know, we've been doing that 10, actually 12 years. We, we take usually around 70 or 80 skiers every year to Japan. Wow. And we spend a couple of weeks down there. Um, and that's been a regular thing for us. You know, we were one of the first, I guess, foreigners to get into doing courses like that. Um, we go to Canada. We go to, um, uh, we go to Canada to run a heli ski camp. And that, that works, you know, really well for us. Um, and we also go to um, uh, Champagne-Luc in Italy. Um, but the, um, uh, you know, the, we, we basically, um, uh, we have different locations, but, but our main base is Verbier, but we are opening in Andermatt um, this year. So Andermatt is a new, uh, a new kind of destination for us. And the thing with Andermatt is a friend of mine, uh, Rob Sawyer, used to have the Faraday Hotel in Verbier, um, uh-huh. has just been asked to, to take on the, um, uh, the, the, this new hotel in uh, Andermatt. And we're going to be, opening our school up there this winter so it's a bit a new I mean, I'm not, we've not announced it yet it's a new bit of news and where um, is that where is that and Matt is is sort of on the way towards if between verbier and zurich you could say okay. uh, uh you know so that that's um yeah that that's that's a, that's a yeah new location and interesting cool. swiss german sort of area and what's it like in japan what's the skiing like there um, unbelievable you know off, off the charts. yeah really i mean japan's like a uh, i mean it's a mecca for get get into ski light powder and one of the reasons you know we went there to shoot some photographs and again it was another location we ended up shooting a picture and it was used as a big vocal ski campaign um but the the location itself is um uh it's, it's great for people that want to learn to ski powder that don't necessarily uh, have the same uh, success rate you could say in okay. europe because the the, the weight of powder uh, in europe is is heavier so it's more difficult to try and ski through in Japan. It's so light because of the Siberian sort of drying out of, you know, it's such a dry air that the powder you ski, I mean, you could almost snow through like a snow plow through a whole wow. powder field and still get down. It's, it's that light, you know. And where do you fly into? Do you fly into Tokyo or where do you go? So mm-hmm. Sapporo for the North Island, you oh, fly into yeah. Sapporo or Tokyo if you're skiing in the South okay. Island. But the, the lighter powder that you get is usually in the North Island. And is it expensive compared to Europe? Or? It's about the same. It, it's, it? it's, okay. it's, it's, something, it's something quite similar. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people would get down to Japan. They'd use a, I don't know, air miles or they'd, they'd book a flight for around six or seven hundred quid to get down there and return. It's not too bad. You know, if you think about it, that, that's quite a long distance and, and quite a good value for it. And then transfers are pretty good internally. It used to be difficult with the language, uh, but the last sort of six, seven years has got a lot better. Everyone seems to speak English there and, 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 it, and it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's a good product for people. Yeah. Is there a resort that you would say for families that you would recommend? I mean, I mean a, a great resort that, that we've been using um, a lot is Chavinia um, because it's kind of, you know, it, it's up at 2000, um, 2,100 meters. And and that and at that altitude, people can um, get get really easy access to the lifts that you can sort of ski in, ski out. And I think that's a big thing for families is is ski in, ski out. You don't want to be lugging on on and off buses and 
you know, and, and doing the whole sort of runaround. It, it's all about that. So from our point of view, a great place that we've been sort of using and testing is Chavinia. Um, Chavinia is also really well priced for families. But the, but the great thing is it's a guaranteed snow uh, location because you can get up to 3,900 meters right on your doorstep. And, and there's also the, the, the sort of fun factor that you're at the bottom of the Matterhorn. Yeah. So you're looking up at the Matterhorn. It's like, wow, you know, if you want to sort of have a few other things to do on your family holiday, that is something quite different. So Chavinia has been great. You know, we, we've done a, we put in a lot of time there. Uh, we actually use it ourselves for training, not so much for family holidays. Okay. Uh, but if you're going during a normal time in the winter, it's a great place that you can stroll up and down the high street, lifts are right where the high street is in town. Uh, and you're guaranteed snow. Where do you fly into to go there? Chavinia, the... you can fly to Geneva. You can also fly to Milan. Milan and, I mean, Turin is super close. So yeah. Turin is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's just over an hour. Uh, but oh. Milan's an hour and 45 minutes. So okay. um, so that's pretty cool. It's my dog, Woody. Hang on. He's a lovely uh, dog. Yeah, he's, he's, always, uh, he's always interested in what's going on. And do you spend the summer there? Uh, our summers in Chavinia. So, so our summers, you know, they, they run oh. the glacier, you know, uh, throughout the summer up on Chavinia. Ah. And it's, um, it's, I mean, it's, you know, we've had days in the summer in August where it's like, you know, you whiskey and powder and everyone's like, what the hell, you know, you're running a video. If you, we have a, we have a channel on our YouTube, you know, that, that people yeah. can actually see every week. Brilliant. Yeah. That's so it's like I watch, it's my ski porn, you know, I, yeah. I watch it all. <laughs> I didn't realize that's where the summer ones were, but it's like yeah. my route, you know, coming into once it comes into December, I start looking at these and I just love them. Like you've yeah, been yeah. doing them for the last few days and I just love it. Love seeing oh, it. Yeah. You know? It's like, you know, the, the November time, you know, we, 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 a lot of people request to say that like, we want an early season course. We want to do something before the winter starts. And that's what we use. We use Chavinia and, and, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's a no brainer. You know, you get in there in early November and you're, you're skiing in fantastic conditions um, and you're, you're, you know, quite often you'll ski pristine snow that you won't get quite a lot of other times during the winter. You know, when people are out in January, February weeks, they might get average snow. It could be icy in places. The Chavinia stuff is always bang on point. Great snow, great corduroy, you know. And tell us then, what about for après ski? I mean, Verbier is brilliant. I've, you know, Farnay Hotel is a great spot, but what are the resorts? Bar Verbier, would you say for après? I mean, St. Anton's the obvious sort of thing that always crops up, right? So you've yeah. got the classic crazy kangaroo and all, and all the bar. I mean, St. Anton's famous for après ski. There's there's yeah. no choice about it. Ishgul is is obviously uber famous and has some, you know, next level kind of crazy parties that go on. I don't even know if I can handle Ishgul actually these days. I'm probably getting too old for it. But it, it's like a, it, it, that, that's an incredible place. They put on that party at the start of the season. At the end of the season, they get headline acts from, you know, uh, something you might see in Hyde Park in London, yeah. you know, they literally they they hit that same sort of note. But the, um, you know, I, I think Austria is that mecca of après ski. You know that that is there's no doubt about it. And and I remember I I I first worked you know ski teaching in Austria um, in um, uh, in Seyfeld when I was a kid, and we had the most you know. Uh, Jesus, I mean, I couldn't even talk to you about it on this podcast if it goes. But you know, we we had some really crazy times, and I think I, you know, I was I was quite well tuned into Stro Rum, you know, and there's eighty percent alcohol, hundred and sixty percent proof bottles of this this stuff running around town, and you're like, oh my god, you got no money to buy to do anything at that age, and we were off our you know off our trolleys on it. It was it was great, but but Austria, top place, 
Um, Verbi- I mean, Switzerland's great as well. You know, the Swiss do do après ski, you know, the, and, and the Faraday, where it's one of our partner hotels, um, it, it won an award um, a couple of years ago. Is that it was the second best après ski in, um, uh, you know, in in in, uh, in I think it was a, a, a European voted thing. So that was um, that was something that was quite interesting as well. But uh, yeah, I think Austria has to always reign number one on that. So I really appreciate you giving me your time. So there's just one last question that I ask everybody. And it's if you take four deep breaths and imagine your happy place from your travels or wherever, where would that be and why? I mean, my happy place has got to be the top of Mont Four in Verbier. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great area to decide where you're going to go, what you're going to do off piece, put some skins in your backpack. But you're... I've had my, some of my best memories in my skiing career has been going off the back of Mont Four. Uh, choosing an area of all the different bowls and couloirs you can sort of hike or walk to uh, and just getting to ski some great steep awesome powder um, up at a great altitude um, quite gnarly in places and it's, it's where I've had a lot of my spills and all the other sort of things that go with it but great memories and and you know to, to see a view that you get at the top of Mont Four, you're looking at Zermatt Matterhorn you turn around you've got the Mont Blanc in one direction and you really get the, the whole picture of the Alps right on your, right your doorstep it's a very happy place for me it would not be a ski special without chatting about the all-important apres ski so next I have Sean O'Neill to talk about that Sean is a bit of an expert about snow. He is Director of Corporate Communications at Transport Infrastructure Ireland and you might recognise his voice as he's the guy on the radio telling us about safety on the roads whenever there are big storms. A tabloid once memorably had an article on him with the headline, Mr. Grit Takes No Shit. So Sean is always my sidekick on ski trips and I think this chat hopefully conveys the giddiness of being away on a ski trip with your mates. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did doing it. Just to get into the mood, I've got a, a little glass of Baileys here to feel like we're we're actually on slopes. Well, I've got a nice Merlot, so uh, I think I'm doing good. I think I'm doing More well. More importantly, it, off the slopes, because the slopes, yeah, this podcast, this episode, the ski special is talking about skiing. But I would believe, and I think you'd agree with me, that... Um, Après ski and the social aspects of skiing are very much part of it, aren't they? Very much so. I think for me personally, it's the it's the opportunity to get together with old friends, and and you and I know each other since childhood, and it's an opportunity to catch up between wives and kids and work and life in general. For me personally, it's the most important part of skiing is getting catching up with your friends, and I know obviously it, there, there may be an indulgence here and there. But it's great meals, good bit of laughing, and just I enjoy that. I love it. I actually, it's it's an escape for me, and that's really where I get the joy out of skiing, mm. quite frankly. And actually, if you think about it, we sort of revert to our teenage selves when we're <laughs> well, on, when we're yeah. on the slopes, don't yeah, we? Yeah, tendency is that. Yes, I think I think um, I think the, the the beauty of being in the fresh air and at altitude is something that gives you a certain sense of zest. And then you realize, wait a second here, I'm here with my oldest buddies and we're just going to have a good time and let's enjoy it. And the skiing becomes secondary for me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, all right, let's get down the mountain. No big deal. <laughs> and- yeah. So what I've, no- what I've noticed is there's a trend when we ski and I think people will relate to it in the, in the upper ski is as the week, the ski week goes on, 
we spend less and less time on the on the mountain. <laughs> yeah, it becomes, I noticed the fog's coming in on Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, and also you're like, oh, you know what? Ah, geez, so, you know, after breakfast, I'm thinking <laughs> we might as well just put the skis up near the pub or whatever we're going, just leave it there yeah. for the day. No, I, I I think yes, you're right. I think there's a, there, there's a uh, why not? You know, and I can go up and down a mountain, no problem. I used to snowboard when I was a kid, and I gave it up when my knees started giving out. But um, but then I switched to skiing, and because I didn't know how to ski, I, I but I played ice hockey. Skiing wasn't a big deal; it didn't take that much. And I'm low to the ground, so it doesn't take a lot for me to just get down a mountain. And I'm like, okay, that's done. Let's take these ski boots off <laughs> and go to the go to the pub, and, you know. And and I do enjoy it, and I do. You There's and I nothing like that left. feeling, actually. Now you say it, I I kind of give a little satisfied sigh there when I think that feeling at the end of the day. Or with us, the middle of the day, where <laughs> you get where you take those ski boots off, yeah. and you just like, give wow. your you give your toes a little wiggle, yeah, and, and maybe put on like runners or sandals or something. Uh, it's and such a it's such a relief almost, and it, and it, and it's almost like it's like going for a run. It's great to do it. You feel great, but when you get home, you hop in the shower, you feel dynamite once that's over, you know. And and it's 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 a look. Skiing is a, is a great sport. It's people who you know and i enjoy it it's fun but i do really treasure the moments that we get together and have a bit of crack you know and, and you know what my catchphrase is like what could you tell me what my catchphrase is at the end of every day when we're up the mountain oh hang on <laughs> well will i tell you yeah go ahead tell me so my catchphrase is is you never do the last oh, run yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the okay but you say that like at the first run like yeah. you know that's why i was like what's the last one no you're right that is your catchphrase you know it's there's a little bit of apprehension in me when it comes to the last run because i maybe it's just a, a superstition or whatever but i do believe in that so i'm always like you know yeah. okay fair so enough that's I. enough for and you and i definitely go okay that's enough let's go down yeah. and we'll call it a day but you know what, if you think of skiing holiday, what I think of, like, particularly when we're, when you're away with a bunch of mates, yeah. your memory, you know, you remember the ski runs and the skiing, but equally as powerful a memory, I'm sure, which my memory with you is, you know, munching some cheese, you know, <laughs> with a glass of wine, yeah, of course, some grapes, yeah, watching the sun going down over the mountains going, this yeah. is the life, true? It is. Uh, of course, and we were in a bigger. That was a yeah. bigger high than, than going down Black Slope. <laughs> it was a indeed. good quality cheese. Good quality cheese, and wondering what kind of dreams we were going to have later on. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's. But again, that's the, that's the joy of what skiing brings to people's experience is that you get time with your friends. The other thing is is when you think about it, the food that we've had in some of these places it's been tremendous. It's true, you know, great restaurants, and and it's look, it's a big. For me, it's 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 for anybody going on a ski trip. It's an expense. It's an it's a, it's a it's a true it's a true holiday. But if you're going to go that to that level, you might as well enjoy it. Completely. I remember one um, particular restaurant in Meerhofen. We got a recommendation from the the Bannon Tea in the in the house we were staying in, and we trudged up through, ended up going through snow, practically up into a forest in the edge of town, to this you know log cabin and we arrived in all the, all the dead animals on the walls and everything exactly like, are we gonna be next there, there's a real mccoy <laughs> we was, had our own room do you remember yeah, that yeah it was fabulous and maybe it was just the fact that we had to trudge through the snow 
But that I would say was probably the nicest meal I ever had. I I had venison and I'll never forget it. Is there resorts that spring to your mind, say, for skiing? Do you have, is there one that you go, if someone was asking for a recommendation that you would go, that's a place to go to? I, I would say it, it's Verbia. Verbia would be amazing. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that because they allow the skiing of every level. It really allowed you, like in the first day or two, I, I would go down to black. I'm like, all right, that's great. That's part, I've done it, you know. And then I'm kind of done with, <laughs> with those risky, yeah. you know, slopes. And then I'll do I something a, a little bit more scenic. And I enjoy it as you go further into your holiday. But I do think that, you know, my experience in, you know, I've skied in the United States and, and, and the Northeast of the United States. And the skiing in Europe is much better, in my opinion, from the Northeast of America, because in the Northeast, you get a lot more melting and freezing and you get a lot more ice, you know, in, in New Hampshire, Vermont, in, yeah. in Maine, you know, you could go to, you know, Loon Mountain, you could go to different places, Black Bear up in, in different places. And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot icier. You know, there's a lot more, there's not as much powder and packed powder. And it's a lot icier in the Northeast United States because of just the location. And you learn to cut in, especially when I was snowboarding, you learn to cut in a lot more and, and, and you have to, and, and the blades on, on the board help you do that. But in Europe, it, it, across the Alps, it's totally different. It's much more enjoyable. It's less, uh, less difficult, quite frankly, you know. Is there somewhere in America that you'd recommend? Loon Mountain is very good in New Hampshire and Black Bear in Maine. And um, I think you you need to go further north. You know, you go to Maine or, or Vermont, anywhere in Vermont, and, and um, that's really, you're better off, you know, because you will get more packed powder. You'll get more powder. You'll get a much better because there's more altitude. But um, in New Hampshire, there's not, you know, Loon is the best, I would say. You know. Okay. And in Europe, so you're saying Verbier for skiing, what about for the crack, for the apres ski? The Is crack. there a result? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which would you <laughs> see or AI see? What would you think? Would you say would you say hey, Saint Anton? What would you think? What would your what would your thoughts be on it? That is a tricky one. Probably San Anton. Yeah. That San Anton's the most party one, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. I, I I would remember it as being like, yeah, yeah, it was always going, you know. And yeah. and Verbia is is right there as well, but it's more of a the older set now, you know, kind of. Yeah. And I, but I think Saint Anton is definitely a, a real party central, you know. When you come down from the mountain. And you get the boots off and then you go to the bar or a restaurant and you have a, it's either like it could be a hot chocolate yeah. or it could be a glue vine or it sure. could be a cold beer. Yeah. But there's nothing like that first drink after a day on the mountain and your legs are tired and you're content. Yes. Would you agree? There's a sense of fulfillment because you've done something that not only exerted your physically, but also mentally getting down a mountain safely and, you know, enjoying it and have a bit of crack. But it's that it's that sense of accomplishment, I think, you know, and you could have you, absolutely you could be having a nice uh, hot chocolate or, you know, a glue vine or you could be having a, a, a beer or whatever it is. But it's that sense that you've done something successful. You're alive. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, and, I think, yeah, that's true. Because when you're up and those you're signs, giddy, you know, what I mean, yeah. I love that giddy, yeah. giddy. You've, you've, you've got you've left the gear away. You're still in your gear, but the boots are off. And it adds to it if you're still in the gear. And, um, you know, when you're up the mountain, 
what I love is that, you know, you're not thinking about work or you're not thinking about anything, any issues. All, you know, you're, all you're thinking about is getting down the mountain, <laughs> yeah, get, it, it getting does, down that run. It does concentrate the mind. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think. And, and freeze it at the same time. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good observation. I think it, it's that, it's that sense of, um, maybe it's the, 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 the caveman instinct of just pure survival that kicks in. And you can't think of anything else but getting down the mountain safely and making sure that, you know, you're there to tell the tale. And that relief when you're sitting at the, you know, you're having your hot chocolate or you're having your beer or whatever you're doing, you have that. It's, it, it, there, yeah, there's an exertion. There's an exertion that ends up with a, a wonderful sense of calm. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. sense of calm and relief. No, I don't know if it's relief as much as, yeah, calmness and, and, and success. You're proud of yourself exactly. for tackling the mountain. Because when you're up at those heights, you look around and you're and and there's a straight, straight line, straight down. Especially some of those black runs, you know, they're mm. they're you know they're pretty straight down. And and even you think of Verbi, like the there, you know, it's famous for its off piste. Yeah. It's funny, but uh, Warren Smith from Verbi, who's also on the podcast, his WhatsApp photo is um, the Tortan off piste oh, yeah, run. No and I got a bit of a shiver because yeah. I remember the last time I was on that, I was going down with um, our friend Finney. Finney yeah, <laughs> it was like, I was, 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 all I saw was skis <laughs> and poles. The last thing he I said to me was, you guys. <laughs> oh, the last thing he said to me was, um, you don't have a Panadol. <laughs> <laughs> that would have helped. I and it's a straight, yeah, yeah, it's a straight it's off straight piece down. drop, yeah, it's, it's thousand meters. It's straight and down. Just went, and I don't know how you guys did that. Cause I remember being down at the bottom of the, I remember looking up going, could that be them? Could that be them? <laughs> and, I, and it's just, it's daunt. It's scary as you know what? And it is straight down. And you guys did it too. You did it. I love the fact that Finney did ask for a, <laughs> a Panadol. They're like, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, if that will help, you know, you guys are going straight down the side of a cliff. But um, you guys did it, and hats off. I remember, remember, I was sitting there waiting for you, and uh, I was just very impressed. And you achieved something, and that's you know, the straight next, down. The next time that we do manage to get onto the slopes, whenever that is, um, I can't wait for just a gentle, say, a run nice, like in yeah, nice, Morzine or Leger or something—a gentle run. Yeah. Yeah, just to bring back the confidence, but at the same time, it's there's nothing more um, enjoyable than knowing that you have the confidence to get down the mountain, nice and easy, nice and slow, and nice and calm, and just enjoy it. And the fresh air and the scenery and being with your friends, nothing better. And there's nothing better. Yeah, and I have to say, Leger. What I particularly love about there is when you're coming down. There's a lot, there are a lot of trees. Yeah. You know, like saying Verbe is quite bare. You it know is. what I mean? If you think yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's very, it's but in, in Leger, you're going through trees on either side. Yeah. So it has that cliched Alpine feel about it. Yeah. And that does remind me of, of the, the States, of, of the runs that you get in the United States, because they would have a lot of trees and, and um, there'd be narrow, you know, there'd be narrow paths that you'd go through. Um, but you'd have that sort of pine trees and, and it's really scenic and nice. Um, and, and it you is. You must love that. Yeah. In America, those narrow paths. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I think that's, yeah, looking over a cliff edge on, on a narrow path is some one of my biggest fears. <laughs> you Actually, know? Could, if I could just give a tip for listeners, if they want 
to see showing, like just say you're on a ski slope sometime and you you think, do I recognize that voice? If you hear like an Irish American cursing, you know, <laughs> go, going through me. one of these narrow paths, yeah. <laughs> it's that's, probably that's a good chance it's showing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe that, uh, yes, that you can manage your, your, your rage during these sessions, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's sometimes I, yeah. And, and that's the challenge of, of, of skiing too, is you're challenging yourself and you're dealing with your fears. And, and I would, I would be, and it's, and there's a, and that's that sense of fulfillment that you talked about earlier is that when you get down to the bottom and you sit there with your friends and you take the boots off and your feet are nice and comfy and you're having that hot chocolate, uh, you, you just feel you've accomplished something, which is a wonderful yeah. feeling, you know? So my last question for you is, you know, when you do that, you, you, because normally when you're going down the mountain, it is paths towards the end. It is quite narrow often yeah. and it's hard going and it can be icy. So when you do get down that mountain, have you ever had a, a hot chocolate? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. No. no says you keep mentioning yeah. hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, have hot I don't ever remember you drinking no. hot chocolate. <laughs> no, I just, I just think in the morning I'd like to do it, but that never comes around. <laughs> you know, that never happens, you know? So <laughs> it's my intention. It's definitely my yeah. I have good intentions to go. I'd like to see what it tastes like. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to finish up, I remember our last time skiing and it was our last day, well, our last day skiing. And um, we went up the mountain and a kind of a fog was coming down. <laughs> and this, this was like yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, no, nah, no, nah, no, not happening. Too dangerous. 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 You don't want to do the first run no. of the day. <laughs> So we went straight back down the mountain and into a into a restaurant for lunch. And then just as we're ordering our wine and our food, the clouds, the the, the mist starts to disappear and the mountain starts to clear up. And I'm looking up the mountain and I go to you, Jesus, I think um, it's OK now to go skiing. You're like, no, no, no. Above, above eye level, it's, it's still fog up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to risk it. That's why we're yeah. here to tell the tale. That's why we're exactly. here to tell the tale, because we made a wise choice. You exactly. listen to my advice. Don't do the last run of the day. Exactly. Or on your last day, the first run. Yeah. <laughs> potentially. That's my new that version. Could, yeah, that, that, could, <laughs> that potentially could be an option. That's correct. <laughs> That's it. I want to thank all the contributors to this episode and just remind you that I have some amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks for season two starting with Paul Wallace next Tuesday, who talks about the upcoming Six Nations and touring with Ireland, and especially that famous Lions tour to South Africa in 97. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.